How are we doing today? Good? Awesome. Well, so glad that you all are here to join us today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Steve Maxwell. Uh, like my wife said, we're the youth pastors here at Homestead, so we get to hang out with this crew right here. Look at how, look at them. They're so much fun. Gosh, we just love them so much. We love our students here at Homestead. Uh, for everyone who has invested in our students, so leaders and people who have discipled them or, or anything like that, we just want to say thank you so much. Uh, like, you know, Brooke and I, we obviously can't uh, do everything for them. So it takes a village to raise up these young people, and it's an important time in their life, right, where they need, to, they need to build their foundation in Christ. They need to grow their roots deep. And so it really does take our whole congregation. So thank you guys so much uh, for in investing in the next generation. That's one thing I really love about our church is that our generations, we don't stay separate. We cross over, and we disciple each other, and we really live life as a family. So that's awesome. We love it. Before we jump into the message today. Um, tomorrow is Veterans Day, and so we have quite a few people in our congregation who have either served or are currently serving in the armed forces, and so we want to take just a second here to honor them. Uh, so if you have served, we just want to say thank you so much. Um, we know that if it weren't for you, people like you making the sacrifices that you have made, we wouldn't be in this room today. We wouldn't have the freedoms that we have in this country. And so we want you to know that we salute you and we honor you. Uh, and we are so proud to know you and that you are a part of this congregation. So if you have served or you're currently serving, would you please stand so we can honor you today? Let's give it up for them. Awesome. So once again, thank you so much. Uh, we are just so proud to know you, and we have got your back. Uh, we support you. So if there's anything you ever need, please let us know. We're praying for you. We're praying for your families. We know that you guys make sacrifices, um, and so we are here for you, and we love you guys. All right, awesome. So we started a series last week talking about spiritual blessings, and uh, Pastor Christy uh, did a great job laying out what spiritual blessings are um, and how we can use them in our lives, some of the, some of the different blessings. She mentioned some of the ones we're going to talk about. And so a lot of times when we think of blessings, we think of material things, right? We think of tangible things, things that we can see. So God, provide me a job. God, please heal this person, whatever it may be. But the Bible says that there are blessings that go far beyond that. Like, yeah, God is our provider, and we want to ask him for those things, right, that he's, he's going to provide for us. But the Bible says that there are blessings that go far beyond the physical, far beyond the material, and God promises us those spiritual blessings. And so he gives us these tools to serve him. He gives us these tools in order so we can live our lives for him, and then in turn, what does it do? It glorifies him which is awesome, right? And so uh, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians at the beginning of this message. So go ahead and grab your Bibles. If you don't have one with you, there are some hardback uh, black Bibles in the pews. That's the translation we'll be reading out of today. And also the words will be up on the screen. So we're in Ephesians, in Ephesians 1. So go ahead and open up to there. And we read this verse last week. Pastor Christie talked about it, but we're going to start today's message with this verse as well. Ephesians 1, verse 3. It says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing 
in Christ. And what it's saying is when you become a follower of Jesus, you receive these spiritual blessings. It's not just for people with certain merit. No, everyone gets these spiritual blessings. And the awesome thing is that these spiritual blessings, they're not like the material blessings or the tangible blessings, right? Because you may say, God, give me a job, and you get that job, but one day that job might be gone, right? Or, or God, heal this person, and they're healed. One day that person might get sick again, right? So the material things, the physical things, they might fade away. They might f- be fleeting, right? But the spiritual things are not temporary. Those are forever, Those are eternal. So when you enter into the kingdom of God, you become a part of that spiritual family. You have those spiritual blessings for all of eternity. And I think that's pretty cool. When you become an heir to Christ, you have access to those spiritual blessings. And today, we're going to look at one which is my favorite. It should probably be all of your favorites too, is that we have the spiritual blessing of salvation. Right? That we have been saved by Christ. That we have been adopted into his kingdom. And so I've titled this message, Chosen, because I want you guys to understand that you have been chosen. You have been chosen by God. He saw you in your flaws and in your mistakes, and he chose you. He adopted you into his family. He freely gave you salvation. And if you look at the next verse here, verse 4, it says this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That even before he created the world, he had you in mind as an individual. And he wanted you to be a part of his kingdom. So Brooke and I, we have two kids. We have one on the way. Our kids, uh, Lucas and Rachel. Lucas is six. And ever since Lucas um, could kind of understand things, I've been saying something to him because I want him to understand how much he means to me. And so I do this little thing. I'll say, hey, Lucas, come here. And he comes over. I say, Lucas, if God lined up all the little kids in the world and he said, you can choose anyone to be your son, who would I choose? And he knows the answer. He says, well, Dad, you choose me. Right? And so I do that all the time. I'll say, buddy, who would I choose? He says, me. Right? He knows that. And the reason I do that is I want him to know that he is chosen specifically for our family. It wasn't a mistake that he ended up in our family. The love I have for him is so real, and I want him to know that he is my son, and that's not going to change. Right? And so no matter what he does in life, no matter the mistakes that he makes, no matter where life takes him, that's not going to change. My love for him will not change. And that's how God sees you. That's how God sees you, right? It doesn't, he doesn't see you for the mistakes that you've made. He doesn't see you for the flaws that you have. He sees you as son. He sees you as, as daughter, and nothing can change that. So then in the next verse, verse 5, we see that it says this. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. It says that we were predestined, right? Another way of him choosing us, him creating us on purpose, that before the creation of time, he had you planned out. That when when you were in your mother's womb, you were not just a cluster of cells. No, that was him on purpose creating you the person that you are today, the characteristics that you have, your smile, your hair, some of us have more than others, right? right? Everything about you, he planned that all out. You are the way you are because God created you like that. Betty's laughing at me. <laughs> so God predestined you. He created you. And then he gave you salvation. 
And it was not of our own doing, right? It was nothing that we could do, but he did it. It was all God. He chose you. He saved you. Salvation is God's work, okay? You can't earn it. And so salvation is nothing that we can brag about, right? Like if you're going to brag about salvation, that's like someone who brags because they're tall. You guys ever meet anyone like that? People who, like when I was growing up, I was always like the shortest kid in class. Then you have these other kids who like brag because they're tall. I'm like what did you do? Like what do you go home? You like stretch out. Like what? It doesn't make it. Or like I don't know if anyone will understand this one, but what is it with birthday parties? Like what are we doing with that? Congrats, you were born? Like, you had no control over, I, I don't understand it, but anyways, all that to say, like, there's, <laughs> there's no bragging when it comes to our salvation. One of my favorite pastors, uh, he explains it like this. He says, a lot of times when it comes to salvation, as Christians, we like to kind of, like, lean up against the cross of Christ and be like, like, we got salvation, like, if only everyone else knew. And he said, it shouldn't be us leaning up against the cross, it should be us bowing down before the cross and looking around at everyone else and saying, come join us. Look at what he's done for us in our sin and in our mistakes. While we were enemies of him, he invited us to his table. Come and join us, right? So we have, we have done nothing to earn our salvation. We have no bragging rights. In fact, we should be humbled that Christ, the king of everything, humbled himself, came down, and died for you. A lot of times we think of it like, oh, he came and he saved his people, right? Well, I like to think of it like this. No, he saved you as an individual. He hung on that cross and he thought of you as an individual. And he saw you with your flaws and your mistakes. And he, and he still said, I want you in my kingdom. That's pretty awesome. Uh, in the book of Galatians, it will be up on the screen here. Galatians 4, starting in verse 4, says this. But when the set time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So he's saying that we were shackled. We were slaves. We had no freedom. And then God humbled himself, sent his son to die for us. And now the spirit of God lives within us so we can break free from those chains. And now we are heirs to the king. That's pretty cool, right? And to think of it, this is not just the king of a country. This is not just the king of the world or the king of even the universe. He's the king of everything, of all time, who always has been and who always will be. And he looks at you and says, will you be an heir to my kingdom? Man, that's amazing, right? So being chosen by God, how is that a spiritual blessing? How is that? Well, the first thing is this. We have our salvation, right? Christ defeated death. And we say that all the time. But, like, if you really think about it, that doesn't make sense. Like, how can someone defeat death? Like, we all die, right? But, no, this man went into the grave dead and three days later walked out. The grave could not hold him. So he defeats death, and then he says, hey, you want to come join me over here? Why don't you come join me? And so we join him, and then now the grave can't hold us either. We can break free from those chains, and we live without the fear of death because we are heirs to the king. 
And it's not only that one day we're going to live in eternity, in eternity with him, but while we are here, we get to live as heirs. We live with our life with confidence. We live with confidence knowing that we are loved, knowing that we are accepted, not just when we get everything right. No, but we are accepted because of who Jesus is. And then another way it's a spiritual blessing is that it changes our relationship with God because now we no longer have to run from God because when someone knows your flaws and knows your sin and knows where you fall short and they stay by your side and they have your back and they love you no matter what, that changes everything. That changes everything. So now when I mess up, instead of saying, oh my gosh, I messed up, like my dad's going to kill me, now it's, oh man, I messed up, I gotta go talk to my dad, right? And that's a really big difference. So we no longer have to run from him because he knows everything about us and he said, I still love you. I still want you to be an heir to my kingdom. When you understand the unconditional love of God, it changes your relationship with him. And so God has blessed us with this spiritual blessing, with this gift of salvation, of being chosen, the promise of heaven. But how do we use this blessing to bless others? I'm so glad you asked because that is literally the next thing in my notes. It's perfect. So how does being chosen by God change the way that we treat others? First thing is this. Being chosen by God stirs our heart to take action. We were saved by no action of our own, correct? But someone had to pay for it. Right? Like your dad said, when you, you say, Dad, it's free, and your dad says, nothing's free, son, right? And someone had paid for it. Well, that's the same here. Like so, somebody had to pay the price. And who did that? Jesus did that. Jesus hung on the cross, beaten, spit in the face for me and for you. So Jesus paid the price. He took action. Why did he do that? Because love does. Love doesn't just sit by and watch. Love is not just a feeling. Love is not about good intentions Love is taking action. It's stepping up and doing something. Where are my married people at? Woo! Yeah, oh, yeah, there we go. Awesome, yeah. Imagine, like, how great would your marriage be if you never showed your spouse that you love them? Like, you never took action. Like, would that work for, and then you get some guys who are like, well, why do I have to, like, prove, she knows I love her, why do I have to prove it, right? As he's, as he's sitting on the couch for the fifth night in a row watching Sports Center. Like, man, take your lady out, dude. <sighs> right? Like, it's, it's not about a feeling. It's an action. Love is an action. John 15, 12, uh, Jesus says this. Love each other as I have loved you. That sounds pretty simple, right? So how did Jesus love us? He literally gave everything. He gave everything. He gave his life. He gave it all. And as humans, we like the give and take model better. So think of any relationship, um, but like, you know, if you think of marriage, we say, well, if she does this, then I'll do this, or we'll compromise, or we'll meet in the middle, or give and take, that kind of thing. Well, that's not how Jesus did it. Did Jesus play give and take? No, he just played give. He expected nothing in return. In fact, he knew you could give nothing in return, and he still gave, and gave, and gave, and expected nothing. So being an heir to Christ should cause us to love by taking action, to give of ourselves, to serve other people with the love that God showed us. So that's the first one. Second one is this. Being chosen by God 
gives us a heart for the untouchable. We see all throughout Scripture that Jesus is always going to the people who are the outcasts, people who have been written off. And so here's one. You've heard this, but this is Luke 5, uh, 12 and 13. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. As followers of Christ, we're called to lean into the mess of the world. So often we want to run from it, but we're supposed to lean into that. We're supposed to go into the dark places, the people who are outcasts, the people who have been written off, the people who are sick, the people who are poor. Jesus was always hanging around the outcast or the sick. And guess what? Jesus loved the leper and the prostitute with the same love that he loved the 12. And that's really hard for us to understand because we're supposed to love the rest of the world like we love our inner circle. And that's a hard thing to do, right? But Jesus, has, we see time and time again, that's what he does. Our tendency is to run from people who are different from us, people who look, look different, people who talk different, people who act different, whatever it may be. We want to run from it. We just, we just want to stay in our little perfect circle. But God says, no, you need to break free of that. And you need to go into the dark places. You need to go into the messy places. And you need to show them the love that I have showed you. Jesus ran to them. He showed them love just like he showed us love. Because guess what? We're all outcasts too. We may put on a good face and come to church and look all pretty, but deep down, you know your flaws. You know where you have messed up. You know where you are an outcast. We all were outcasts. And Jesus said, hey, I want them to be in my kingdom. We tell our students this all the time, that as followers of Christ, they have a responsibility. They have a job. When they're in their schools and on their sports teams and at work, whatever it may be, it's their job to stand up for the outcast. It's their job to stand up for the lonely, to sit with the kid at lunch who always sits by himself. That is their job, and that may be a heavy thing, but man, our students are not just teenagers. They are heirs to the kingdom, and they have a job right now. It's not when they graduate. It's not when they get into ministry or get into their job. No, it's right now. They have a job in their schools, and that is to stand up for the kids who are outcasts, for the kids who have been written off. They need to be there for them when, when no one else be. Because think about this. Our kids have the love of Christ flowing through them. And if they're not going to stand up for the, the lonely kid, who's going to? If they're not going to stand up for the bully kid, who's going to? It's got to be our kids, right? It's got to be us that reaches the outcasts, that reaches the untouchables in the world. Christ's love is in us for a reason, Okay? He did that on purpose. It's not supposed to stay in us. It's supposed to flow out of us onto the people around us. So that's the second one. Being an heir to Christ should give us a heart for the untouchable. And then the third one is this. Being chosen by God tears down our judgments. When we understand how Christ loved us, even in our hypocrisy, in our deceit, in our jealousy, in our addiction, in our materialism, whatever it is, how he loved us in our brokenness, it changes the way that we see others. It changes the way that we love others. As human beings, we are so quick to judge, aren't we? Like we look at people's lives 
And we say, oh, man, I would never do it like that, right? Oh, I would never parent like that, or my marriage would never be like that, or I would never handle my finances like that. And we're so easy to look at other people's lives and to judge them. What we see here in 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, it says this, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Uh, In my commentary Bible, uh, they explained it in a cool way, so I'm just going to read that here. They said this, It's tempting to judge fellow Christians, evaluating whether or not they are good followers of Christ. But only God knows a person's heart, and he is the only one with the right to judge. We are to confront those who are sinning, but we must not judge who is a better servant for Christ. When you judge someone, you invariably consider yourself better, and that is arrogant. Man, when I read that, that slapped me right in the face, right? When you judge someone, you're saying, I'm better. Like, I know. I'm a better Christian than you. Man, you should do things better, right? And we see this a lot in our Christian world. We judge one another so much. We look at a family and we say, man, why do they homeschool their kids? Or why don't they homeschool their kids, right? Or why did they vote for that person? Or why do they drive that expensive car, right? And we so often just want to judge people and the way they live their lives. One, uh, one area that really gets me going is this. When people who are on the sideline like to look at the people who are in the game and like to judge them and like to criticize them. Like you guys know, like you go to, you go to Buffalo Wild Wings or you go to a sports bar. Not that anyone here goes to a bar, but you go somewhere to watch sports and you see like this 40 or 50 year old guy by himself yelling at the TV like at some college kids playing with a ball, right? And he's like, like dude, you're not even on the field and you're like judging and critiquing these kids who are out there playing the game. You guys are like, where is he going with this, right? But here's the deal. When people on the sideline of faith look in at people who are serving, who are giving their time, who are giving their heart and soul, who are preaching the gospel, who are starting ministries, who are doing things around the world, people who are on the sideline of faith look in and judge them and criticize them and say, man, they should do that differently. Oh, well, more people would be saved if they, oh, if they did this with the money, it would be better. Or they should lead like this. Or, man, I wish they'd do the music differently. All the while, while they're sitting on the sideline, my whole thing with that is, man, you got to get some skin in the game. Like, you're not even in the game. Get on the field and do something. Like, people are out there trying to serve God. And, yeah, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. But, man, if you're sitting on the sideline, like, how can you be judging those people who are giving their heart and soul to see the gospel move forward. You haven't even put on a pair of cleats and you want to judge people who are out there grinding every day. We have to stop judging each other because guess what? If Christ came into this room right here, he could find a million reasons why none of us deserve to be in this room. And you know what he would do? He would come up here and he would invite us to come to the table with him. And so that should really change the way that we see each other, that we see other people who are in the body of Christ and how we see the rest of the world. It should tear down our judgments because Christ looked at us in all of our mistakes and he said, I see past it. All I see is the blood of Christ. All I see is the cross. And so that is how we have to live our lives with the people around us. Being an heir to Christ should tear down the judgments we have of others.
So we've been chosen by God, right? Like our identity is him. Your identity is not in the accomplishments that you have, and it's not in the failures that you have. So if you're in here today and you're like, I've never missed a Sunday of church, and I have, I have all the Sunday school stickers, and I know all my Bible verses, right? Guess what? That doesn't qualify you for salvation. And then there's on the other side where you say, man, I am so far from God. I, I'm stuck in addiction. I'm, I'm struggling as a parent. Like, and I feel like, guess what? That doesn't disqualify you from salvation. Like, it's not about what we do. It's about the cross of Christ. It's about the blood being shed for you. Now, when we, we, when we become followers of Christ, right, our hearts are changed, and that causes us to live differently, but nothing that you do qualifies you or disqualifies you from salvation. It's all up to Jesus. And so as we start to close here, I want to ask you guys this. Like, do we, do we truly understand what Jesus did? Because I think, I think too often it's just, oh, there's Sunday again. We're going to church. We're talking about the cross. But sometimes we just need to stop and think about it. The king of everything who has always been and who, who always will be decided that he wanted you as an individual to be in his kingdom. He saw you in your addiction. He saw you falling short as a parent, as a husband, as a wife. He saw all of that. And he still said, I'm going to go to the cross for that person. Even if it's just that one person, I'm going to, lose every, I'm going to give everything for them. My blood will be shed for them. I'll be beaten and whipped and put on a cross. And he did that to defeat death for you as an individual. Like that that's, is incredible. Who he is, who Jesus is, is greater than any mistake that you have made. He's greater than it. And if we could really understand that, it should cause us to treat other people differently. It should cause us to live our lives differently because he chose to see us as his heirs. He gave us his inheritance of being with him for eternal life. And so if he would do that for me and I look at my life and I know all of my junk and all the stuff, that, all the areas I've messed up, and he chose to do that for me, well, that should cause me to see other people in that way as well, to see other people as heirs to his kingdom. So I want to leave you uh, with this last verse again. We read it already. This is the New Living Translation of it. Galatians 4, 7, it says this. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. Man, you were a slave. You had no freedom. You had no rights. You were shackled. You were chained. And Christ said, not on my watch. And he broke you free from those chains. And now you are his child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So as we leave today, may we live with the spiritual blessing of knowing that we are chosen. And also live with the responsibility of being a part of God's kingdom. And living our lives differently. And treating people as if they are heirs to the king because they are as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for all the blessings that you have given us in our lives. We know that you are our provider and you have given everything to us. Everything that we have is yours. God, right now I thank you for the spiritual blessings that you have given us. And God, today I thank you for choosing us. 
I thank you for looking at all of us as individuals and seeing the areas where we have fallen short. And instead of seeing that, God, you just see the blood of your son. And you welcome us into your kingdom. God, I thank you for making us on purpose. I thank you that it wasn't a mistake that we ended up here, that it wasn't by chance that we ended up here, that you predestined us, that you chose us to be the way that we are. And so, God, today, as we, as we hear from your spirit, as we hear from your word, I pray that we would truly understand what it means to be chosen, to have our identity in you, and not only just understand it, but to now live it out, to live out the gospel in our lives, to treat others differently, to take action, to reach out to the untouchable, God, and also to tear down the judgments we have of others. May we always live our lives for you, Jesus. May everything we do glorify you. I ask you to bless everyone in this room, Jesus. Maybe there's someone in here today who is struggling and who needed to hear that it's not about the areas you have messed up. It is the fact that you are my son, that you are my daughter, and nothing that you can do will make me love you less. So God, if they needed to hear that, God, I pray that they heard that clearly today and that your spirit is upon them today. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you for this congregation and everything you're doing here. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.